as you'll be looking in the book of Psalms this week in preparation for our study Wednesday, that um, you will focus on praise and as we challenge you this morning, that we would actually be giving praise to God. Um, really, it's it's one thing that is really lacking in our lives in a in a great way. But we mentioned this morning that the Book of Psalms is really a book to help us in praise and worship, and and we might we might think, well, those are synonymous. And and to a certain degree, they're very similar, and I think we can run into tall weeds, so to speak, if we try to, to really differentiate and say, no, no, this is only praise and this is only worship. But we want to try to to give some clarity and some help to us in our life in giving praise to God and in this aspect of worship. Worship because an act of offering to God what is due Him because of who He is. Praise often, it doesn't necessarily, but often is for what He has done. We mentioned this morning, praise Him for His creation, for the Word, for the Messiah, for the judgment that He would, justice that He will bring, and for heaven. Those are all things that He has done. Worship is an attitude of the heart. And, and it involves more than, than just motions. We can go through outward motions and and not really be worshiping God. And we may think we're worshiping God, but there is worship that God does not accept. And don't limit, let me say, don't limit in your mind that worship is something that takes place corporately, that we're here tonight to worship. Well, we may be here tonight to really needs to take place individually in our life. And when there is worship taking place individually in our life, then when we corporately get together, it's not something that needs to be stirred up or created or anything like that. It is, it is something that is born out of our life. The Hebrew word for worship means to bow low or to prostrate oneself. It involves our bowing low in submission to the Lord, especially in our hearts, especially in our minds. The Greek word for worship means to literally to kiss the hand of one who is revered. Or is is held in awe and reverence. And when discussing praise and worship, it isn't necessary that we, as we mentioned, that praise is necessarily one thing and worship is another. If anything, praise may be a subset of worship, 
And uh, when we praise God for what He has done, this leads to praising Him for who He is, which which really is worship. But tonight we want to kind of zoom in a little bit and take the time that we have to think about the about our worship. In Psalm 29, the psalmist said, Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty ones, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So he says, Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. And worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. You will note as you go through the book of Psalms, the exhortations directed toward us to bring praise and worship to God. And we have to realize God created us to worship. And every human being is a worshiper. There is, if you please, an altar in every person's heart. And on that altar is whatever we are devoted to and submitted to. There is something in every person's life that they are worshiping. Every person in the world is worshiping something. The key is that we worship God. Gary Thomas, in his book on marriage, was dealing with this aspect of worship, and he said, We were made to worship. If we don't grow in our worship of God, we will descend to worship something or someone else. It may be power. It may be money. It may be our reputation. It may be a sports team. It could be anything. Now, you notice what he said. If we don't grow in our worship to worship God, growing to worship God, we will descend, we will go down, and we will worship anything else. And and many times, even as Christians, we worship good things. It may be the family, it may be the church, it may be a husband or wife or children, it, it may be the nation, it may things that, that God has given, but when those become the object of our love, so to speak, it's, it's important that we understand right now, tonight, you are a worshiper of something. And really, only the Spirit of God can reveal to you what it is that you worship. We worship what we esteem worthy. What we esteem will fulfill my life, will give me what I want, and and so on. But realize the first command that was ever given deals with worship. And the greatest command that was ever given deals with worship. Thou shalt have no other God before me. The first command in Exodus. 
What he's saying is, you are not to worship anything else. No other God. And then Jesus summarized all the law and the prophets, and he said, here is the first and greatest command. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first and great command. In understand, this is a command. He created us. He put in us a desire to worship. We're all worshipers. And why does God command us to do anything? Because he knows it's good for us. He knows it's best for us. He knows that's what we were created for. So he created us with this desire to worship. And we go out and we worship all these things. And God says, no, worship me. Not because he's an egotistical God. Because he knows will never be fulfilled and will be drastically disappointed when we worship anything else. And so he says to us, I want you to worship me. And only God is worthy of our worship. Only he is perfect. Only he is eternal. Only he creates. God is the one that creates. He is the only one that creates. Only God is all-powerful. Only God is all-knowing. Only God is ever-present. I mean, think of these things. Any one of these things separates him from everything else. Only God knows my heart. See, only God knows your burden. Only God knows your fear. Only God knows your joy. Only God brings justice. Only God can forgive sin. Only God delivers from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, and someday from the presence of sin. I mean, only God. So anything else that I worship, can you do this? No. Can you do this? No. Are you ever present with me? No. Can you forgive my sin? No. Do you know what's on my heart? No, 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 no. Whatever it is. So it's like, yeah, really, why would I worship anything? But that's where the battle goes in. We want to worship something, and we often want to worship something that is seen. And for the most part, we worship self. But many times we can, as I mentioned a moment ago, we can worship some good things and miss God. But it is important to realize that godly worship is really a byproduct of our life. It's the result of knowing God because we're thinking about God. It's it's a result of of knowing God because we're pursuing. We have a, 
hunger and thirst after God. As Paul said in Philippians, that I may know Him. He was longing to know Him. All these other things, I I don't count them as success or accomplishments. I want to know God. And Jeremiah said, don't let a wise man glory in his wisdom. Don't let a strong man glory in his strength. Don't let a rich man glory in his wealth. Why? Because all those things will disappear. But let a man glory in this, that he knows God. And godly worship comes as a result of turning our attention toward God and knowing God. Years and years ago, a man by the name of William Temple gave a definition of worship that we broke down into the the paragraph that he gave. We just broke it down into points. It begins with the submission of all of our nature to God. The submission of all of our nature to God. And really, that's salvation. Where we submit, this is my nature. I submit it to you. It needs to be born anew. I need to be born again. I need spiritual life. And it's a submission of all of our nature to God. It is the quickening of the conscience by His holiness. And this is the work of the Spirit of God. When, when we are saved, the Spirit of God comes in and it, it awakens our conscience. The Spirit of God starts dealing in our lives and He points out things in our lives. And he awakens our conscience. It involves the nourishment of the mind with truth. This is the Word of God, taking in the Word of God. It involves the purifying of the imagination by his beauty. And that would be, as the psalmist said in Psalm 1, that would be meditating in His Word day and night. We're we're purifying our imagination by meditating on who He is and the beauty of His character and His nature. It is opening of our heart to His love and allowing His love to minister and change us, and then to flow through us. And it, it, it involves the surrender of our will to His purpose, a death to self. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. A death to self, surrender of my will. We said at the very beginning, the word worship means to bow down to. To, to submit, it's a surrendering of my will to God. If I, if I bow down to God physically, but in my heart I have not submitted my will, and I'm still ruling in my heart, that worship isn't 
isn't pleasing to God. We must worship God in spirit and in truth. I may worship him with my words. I may worship him. We talked a couple weeks ago about fasting. And, and in Isaiah, he said, you fast. But he said, I don't receive it. I don't welcome it because your heart isn't right. Your will isn't submitted to me. And, and when you gather all of this together, the submission of our nature to God, the quickening of our conscience by the Spirit, the nourishment of our mind, and, and this is ongoing, the nourishment of our mind by truth. Our mind needs to be fed truth continually. And the meditation on God and His beauty through the Word of God and surrender of our will to His purpose, you gather all of this up, and when you then begin to know God, it's gathered up in, in adoration to God. The most selfless emotion of which our nature is capable is adoration. And, and in realizing this love, For God, this, the songwriter said, I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his holy hand than to be the king of a vast domain. We see God for who he is and nothing compares to it. It's a treasure hidden in a field, and we say, I'm going to go sell everything I have to buy that field because I was made for this. And it, it is then that we are giving to God what is due to Him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness that then our heart and mind is is brought back to thoughts and God, thank you that you are pure. I am not, but you are, God, thank you. And our mind keeps going back to God. Worship is, as we said a moment ago, worship is not just a gathering together and and call it a worship service. And really, the purpose of a church is not for worship. It may be a part of it, but that's not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is for the building up of the saints to go out and do the work of the ministry. And all the while, we are worshiping God. It's taking, okay, God, this is how you created me. This is how you've gifted me. I give this back to you in adoration. You are worthy of all of my life, all of my praise, all of my intellect, all of the abilities, anything that is in me, I give it to you as an act of worship to you because you are all that matters. And in understanding that, the worship, the adoration for God, the the bowing down in, in respect and love and service to God comes as a result of knowing Him.
Now we understand that what we worship will be revealed. And if you want to know many times what is going on in your life, check to ask yourself, is this God revealing to me what I'm worshiping? It is easy for things to creep in and pretty soon be on the throne of our heart. And then God will touch that. He'll enter in and maybe bring a disappointment with this or reveal it for what it is. And and we may be devastated. I put my heart and soul into this. And it may have been a good thing. But we can put our heart and soul into something and love it more than we love God. And God, I look back in my life and there have been many times where God has touched my heart and said, you're worshiping something else rather than me. And many times those have been very difficult times. But God is trying to do that in our lives to get us to the point where we worship God so that when we stand before Him, it is not all in vain. So that what we spent our life building, I don't care if it's building Grace Baptist Church or building your family or whatever it is building, If it, if it wasn't out of adoration to God first and foremost, whatsoever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. It's all about Him. That's the chief end of man, to glorify God. And God steps into our lives in various times And He's always in our lives, but there's times that we notice it more than others. And He's trying to awaken us to say, what is it you're really loving? What is it you are worshiping? I'm not even going to begin to go into all the things that we can worship. But what we ought to step back and say tonight is, God, you created me to worship, and you commanded me to worship you. I was made to worship you, and Lord, you know my heart is prone to worship myself and many other things. Lord, would you show me my heart? Show me what I am worshiping. Show me what is number one in my life. Because honestly, all that matters is what we do with God. I don't mean just accepting Jesus Christ. That only enables us to worship God. I mean, what, what is our life about? Because someday it will be revealed. And, and you know what? 
We can fool people. We can make them think that our life is about God. But what does God think? He knows our heart. He knows what we do, why we do it, how we do it. He knows our heart. And to say, God, I don't want to live this life that you've given me in vain. I want it to be about you because everything else will be in vain. And yes, as we said this morning, and there's really a two-pronged thing, we need to praise God much, much more for the things that he's done and let that go into worshiping him for who he is. And many times we can't do that because we're ignorant of who he is. We haven't gone to the word, God, show me yourself. Not, God, show me principles. I've been there in my life. God, show me the principles that will help my life to be successful. That's not what it's about. It's God, show me yourself. Let this man rejoice that he knows God. And that's, that's worship. God didn't make it complicated. He, it's not easy, but it's not complicated. All of, the, all of the law he wrapped up. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, all your strength. And he said, and the second thing is, love your neighbor as yourself. Is it easy? No. Is it complicated? No. But we were made to worship. And in particular, we were made to worship God. And the deceiver comes and tries to get us to worship anything else. I mean, thank God for godly mothers. I thank God for my godly mother. But you know what? She was a gift of God. And it all goes, every good and every perfect gift comes from God. So, the prayer of our heart ought to be tonight this, God, help me to praise you and worship you like I never have before. Heavenly Father, I pray that that would be the desire of our heart and that your spirit would then purify and reveal and lead and equip and empower us to genuine praise and authentic worship of you. Lord, We rejoice that you know our hearts. And I pray for my heart and for each one of us here tonight that we would allow you to search our hearts and that we would be obedient to whatever step of action you call us to take. And Lord, may there be great joy in our hearts as we learn to praise you with all of our soul 
and we learn what genuine worship of you is. So, Lord, thank you that you are worthy. Thank you that throughout all the ages, before your throne will be worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Thou art worthy to receive honor and glory and praise. Lord, you are worthy. And may we manifest that in our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to